This week, Paul and I discuss how to land a job in application security. In the news, Facebook loses at least 50 million access tokens. Semantic reports that forum jacking is on the rise. And Google admits that it allows hundreds of companies to read your email. Stay tuned for all that and more on this episode of Application Security Weekly. This is a Security Weekly production. Layered Insight is the industry's first embedded security approach for containers. Trusted by Global 1000 Enterprises to secure their containerized applications, it's the only solution that requires no root privileges, has zero dependency on the underlying infrastructure, and is fully portable across any container environment. Unified DevOps and SecOps, enabling the rapid development of containerized applications without worrying about security. To learn more, please visit layeredinsight.com forward slash ASW. Rapid7 powers the practice of SecOps. Using shared data, analytics, and automated workflows, SecOps unites IT, DevOps, and security teams to make security an outcome of innovation. Rapid7 combines technology, expertise, and advocacy to drive vulnerability management, application security, incident detection, and log management for more than 7,000 organizations worldwide. Power up your SecOps practice with a free trial at rapid7.com forward slash security weekly. Welcome, everyone, to episode 34, our 35th episode of Application Security Weekly. I am, of course, your host, Keith Hoodlett, and I'm excited to be joined once again by my illustrious co-host, Paul Asadorian. Thanks, Keith. It's good to be here today on Application Security Weekly. Always fun times. Got good topics, good stories. Indeed, and I see you. You see me? Yes, I'm here. Keith is frozen on the lines. Oh, uh, you're right, yeah. Keith. It looked like you like you're a robot, and you kind of like reset. <laughs> uh oh, did my camera really die in back? Am I am I still your good? Au- yeah, your camera and your audio uh, died, and then hopefully came back. Okay, cool. Looks like looks like we're good. We're good. Um, hey, so a couple of quick announcements before we jump in here. I know that uh, first of all, you should check out our on-demand material because some of our previously recorded webcasts are now available on demand at securityweekly.com slash on demand. Uh, I know that I've been on probably a couple of them myself, but we've got Endgame, Logarithm, Black Hills, InfoSec, uh, of course, Gavelin Networks, Signal Sciences, StealthBit, and uh, you know a bunch of other stuff on there. So go check it out because it's pretty awesome domain tools as well. Had some really great conversations with them uh, recently. Also, DerbyCon is holding its first ever mental health and wellness workshop where I'll be speaking this coming Friday at one o'clock. Uh, but if you want to help support their efforts, please go to derbycon.com slash wellness. You can donate. Uh, any funds that are not used for supplies to be given out at the conference are going to be given to uh, accredited nonprofit in- institutions that uh, can benefit you know, our community and others uh, around the world. So definitely go check that out. Now, Keith, how, how does that work? Uh, is it like a conference within a conference and there's like tracks with people speaking or like how is the well? I'm just curious how the wellness thing is going to work. Yeah, so Amanda Berlin set that up. Um, so at InfoSister, uh, for those that, that might know her as her Twitter handle. Um, but basically, there's a it's a one track sort of mini conference in a conference, kind of like the SE Village, right? Okay. So um, there there are speakers there, but there are like you know tables set up. So there's there's like a drawing table or a coloring table. There's um, you know like fidget spinners and things like that. Um, basically, it's just a workshop for a, a bunch of different speakers that are going to be talking on topics about. 
um, you know, mental health and wellness, especially as, as burnout is one of those things uh, in our community that a lot of people suffer from. And so it's, it's driven toward helping people either, you know, have coping skills or, um, you know, getting the kind of support and assistance that they need. Um, so, so to that end, it's, it's got a lot of different things going on, including like a yoga workshop. I think there's um, some meditation going on as well. Oh, uh, so, so I just, should bring my you know, yoga pants. You absolutely should bring your yoga pants. Yes. In fact, you should come early on uh, Friday morning and, you know, yoga it up. Why not? That'd be great. Also, I, I color uh, you mentioned coloring books and uh, there might be some people confused about that. It's actually very soothing to color. Yeah. Like it's very, in fact, last night at, uh, at dinner with my family, you know, they drop off all the coloring books and crayons yeah, yeah, and for stuff. The kids. And my kids were actually being good uh, for once and preoccupied. And I was just sitting there talking to my kids and my wife. And I was, and she's like, "Are you actually coloring?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's very therapeutic." It was a birthday cake with nice right? with nice colors. Yeah, very good, very good. I mean, yeah, there's lots of opportunity out there. It's funny because there's so many different things that, like, as kids, uh, you know, we would do, and then as adults, you're like coloring books. But then suddenly you start coloring, you're like, actually, no, this is kind of nice. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's. Amanda's been putting this together, and, and uh, so I've been just trying to help get the word out, and you know, help with the fundraising side of things. Um, and uh, she, you know, she asked for speakers, and I put in my talk on time management. So uh, I'll be speaking on a topic that I call hacking the TARDIS or time management for infosec professionals at one o'clock on Friday. Also, um, I, so. ironically, um, when some of my wife's friends and I would get together, and there was children present. So my wife's friends are single. When they would talk about having sexual relations, uh, they would refer to it as coloring, and you can. Just, oh my! <laughs> your imagination can run wild from there as to how that was uh, described. But now one of uh, our friends' uh, children just turned eighteen, and she's like, "You know, I knew exactly what you guys were talking about when you were talking about coloring." By the way, you thought you were being <laughs> oh, no. cute, but you really weren't. <laughs> I just reminded me of that. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's like you were trying to be sly and then yeah. not being sly at all. Like yeah. the kids, kids are smart, man. Like yeah. you got to give them credit. Like they really do they understand a, a lot of things, even though you think they don't. Yep. So, um, but yeah, so kind of you know shifting gears at this point, I wanted to to dive into a topic that's near and dear to me. So as a manager now at Thermo Fisher Scientific, of course, I'm in the role of hiring other individuals inside the organization. And uh, one of the things I've been doing lately is you know helping people either uh, giving them feedback on terms of things that they can do to get a job in application security or actually interviewing people that are looking for a job because uh, I've got a, a number of openings that I've been filling. And in fact, at DerbyCon, uh, I will be there, you know, talking to people if they're interested in trying to get a job at Thermo Fisher or even you know other companies as well to give them feedback. But I thought this might be a good kind of lead into that hiring village and workshop that they also have at DerbyCon. So um, specifically to, to AppSec, I wanted to start off with, you know, some ideas that I had around uh, if you're working on your resume or you're thinking about you want to get into AppSec, maybe you're coming from a different role. So maybe you're coming from IT, maybe you're coming from traditional network pen testing, and you want to build up your skills. Uh, I kind of put together in, in the show notes uh, a few things that I thought people would benefit from. So, um, Paul, I mean, uh, the first one right off the bat is, is the idea of attending local meetups and conferences. Now, you go to a lot of conferences, uh, especially as part of Security Weekly. So, um, first, are there kind of any that you recommend going to in terms of, you know, things that people might benefit from, from just getting exposure to the broader industry uh, and kind of maybe honing in on skill sets that they might enjoy? Um, I, I actually, well, I mean, it depends on what your goals are for attending conferences. Uh, in the context of landing a job, I like your suggestion here in the show notes of Security B-Sides events. Um, yeah. Well, because if you're looking for a job, maybe you don't have one, which means you likely don't have a lot of income coming in, which means going to a conference that uh, is either free or a very low cost is probably very appealing. 
uh, to you in that light. Also, uh, security B sides happen all across the world. There might be one that is uh, there is one that is the most geographically close to you, and since they happen yep. all over the world, you can likely find one that you can travel to without paying for an airline ticket. You know necessarily. Um, so that's a great recommendation for that reason. The other reason I like security B-sides in this context is because they tend to be very community-oriented, not yep. so much industry-oriented in, while some do have traditional industry sponsors, much of the sponsorships, have, as I've noticed um, and in talking with Jack Daniel and others that run B-sides, they're very much uh, human resources focused. So they tend to focus on sponsors for B-sides that are looking to recruit people from the security community. So you have that aspect, plus the talks are absolutely fantastic at security B-sides. Um, there's typically lots of different tracks for all kinds of different topics and skill levels. So that's a perfect storm, right? Like it, they're inexpensive to uh, or free to attend. They are uh, sharing information from the community so you get to learn and you get exposure to companies that might be hiring. So, I mean, you nailed it, Keith. I mean, that's, that is my recommended strategy if you're going to uh, be looking for a job uh, to attend a conference. And, I mean, quite frankly, there are definitely some world-class speakers that go to security B-sides, if not organizers of the security B-sides, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, for example, Paul, you've spoken at uh, B-sides Boston a couple of times. Uh, well, I didn't it, know that last year when I was helping yeah. organize, you were there, I think, gave you two talks. Well, not just me, but so. um, Dave Kennedy uh, was one of the keynotes, as was Jack Daniel. So yeah. I mean, right. Like you, you get these people that you see at, at DerbyCon, for example, like, you know, Dave Kennedy or at B-Side Las Vegas, Jack mm -hmm. Daniel. Um, and, and these are people that, you know, are well-known and well-respected in our community. And they're speaking at B-Sides in a lot of different places, right? So I think there's a lot of value um, there. I, I mean, I've gained some insights as to what some people charge uh, to deliver keynotes at larger conferences. And it's quite a bit. And so yeah. when you go to these, one of the reasons why those conferences cost money is if they're bringing in a large keynote speaker, like what many might not realize is that there's a cost associated with bringing that person in above and beyond your typical stipend or, or travel expenses. Like there's a, a substantial fee and, and it varies, you know, by person to person. Sure. Um, I, I don't know that as an attendee, you'll necessarily get more or less value out of out of those speakers. I mean, your mileage is going to vary. I mean, it could be that someone's bringing a big speaker, paying them a lot of money, and you really do get a lot of value out of that. Great, you know, but the local ones uh, that are much more cost effective can be equally, if not more valuable in some cases. Well, it's also usually a, a smaller uh, venue, smaller uh, crowd, right? So you actually get an opportunity to sit down and maybe speak with some of these people, right? That's like, a great uh, point. so besides Boston, I think two years ago, met Dave Kennedy for the first time in person mm -hmm. after you know communicating with him on Twitter. Um, also got to spend some time with with Jack actually in person as well, as opposed to again knowing him kind of virtually, right? So um, th those are individuals that for me, like I generally don't have access to unless I go to an actual conference, and so getting an opportunity to actually speak with people that I really respect in the community was, was pretty big for me personally. But yep. um, then there's also people like Josh Marpet does, I think, besides Delaware. I mean, there's a number of people in the community yep. that are either well-connected uh, in terms of maybe you're looking for a job and they happen to be an organizer and know some people that are looking or um, they're volunteering or they're speaking, right? And there's almost always an opportunity to, to get to know people while you're there, right? Because Unless it's maybe like besides, I think Atlanta is pretty big, and also besides Charm out in um, uh, Baltimore is, yep. is pretty big as well. But otherwise, there are usually a few hundred people. Yeah. Um, now, local meetups know. are great, Keith, because those are usually 100% free. 
Um, yeah. I mean, it's some may charge a small a small fee, but typically local meetups are free. Um, here in Rhode Island, it's interesting. We just interviewed uh, Jason Albuquerque from Carousel Industries, which is a local company. And Jason yep. and I were talking about <clears throat> enabling the community here in Rhode Island to have more free local meetups. Uh, Patrick Laverty, as, as many know from listening to the show, um, he runs actually two of the local meetups here in Rhode Island for DC 401. So typically yep. there's a, a DEF CON group with your area code that uh, meets, uh, it, it, not in every city, right? But a lot of major cities have that. Also, Patrick runs the local OWASP um, meetup here in Rhode Island. Um, and Patrick also runs a Layered 8 conference here in Rhode Island, which does cost money to go to, but um, you know you can start with those local meetups. Jason, we're just talking about how we need to have more of that, right? I mean, just, I, I'm like, dude, my motivation, I want to give back to the community, but also I want to meet people selfishly because I want them to be guests on the show, hosts on the show, um, right. and, and things like, and, you know, bring them on to speakers or whatever, so. Yeah, and well, April Wright, DEFCON 617, yeah. right? Founder of DEFCON 617 was on the show as co-host uh, last week. So, yeah, I mean, um, you find that all the time at local meetups. Again, they're usually free. And uh, Johnny Christmas, I think, is coming on the show either later this month or early next month. Uh, big uh, into the the whole Chicago scene in terms of some of their, their local meetups as well. And so, mm. um, yeah, if you have an opportunity to go to a local meetup, uh, do it. Because I think that you're going to meet a lot of people that are doing interesting work. And even if they're not hiring, they might be able to give you tips on, Hey, if you're looking to join, you know, such and such company, they might have some inside knowledge of, you know, learn the following skills. So um, that was one that I thought was, okay, if you're looking for a job in the security industry, a good place to start is to first figure out what you want to do. And the best way to do that is to go and get exposed to a lot of things. So local meetups, B-Sets conferences mm -hmm. were kind of the big two that, that I came to. Um, the next one, though, I thought was interesting because especially in application security, you need to be able to kind of write applications or at least understand how they're written. And so um coding skills uh, i think for for security professionals in general but specifically in application security is going to be a really big deal if it if it isn't already um and there's this one site that i really like it's called code wars now it's free to use um and what it is is it's effectively like kind of puzzle challenges for a lot of different languages so to sign up uh you've got to do a, a basically a challenge it's really pretty trivial if you've, you've done some coding before but even if you haven't you'll learn something in the process um, and then once you've gone through that, you can sign up, you can set up like your own clans. So if you have like a local group that you want to get together with and like come, come up with a clan name and work your way through, um, Paul, you might appreciate this. So the, the ranking system that they have within the, uh, within Code Wars is like, uh, the Q. So like eight, eighth Q, seventh Q, like all the way down to like the Don. So it's like the, almost like a martial arts style, like ranking. <clears throat> oh yeah. 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 I've heard of Code Wars before. I haven't done it, but I've heard good things. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. And it's got, um, gosh, so many languages, right? If you wanted to do Python, if you wanted to do Go, if you want to do JavaScript or C or Haskell or C++ or Java or almost anything, right? So in, in my mind, one of those things that um, the whole idea of sitting down and, and practicing is going to be important and having challenges to practice with is even better. Uh, so from a coding perspective, if you want to understand the syntax and the language and, and start to learn some of the nuances of things, um, Code Wars is going to provide a challenge for you as a, a, perhaps a novice programmer to really dive deep, and it will lead to more questions, uh, which ultimately that's a good thing, right? Because then you learn more skills, and then you go into harder challenges, and you learn even more. Um, so that was one thing that I thought that you know would be really useful for a lot of our, our listeners if you're just getting into coding or you're interested in coding. 
Um, or maybe you want to pick up a new language, right? So there's always, you know, something to do in addition as part of your practice. But no, um, Keith, I've is, always um, had fun with it. Is Pluralsight free? They do have no of, plural. No, does that cost money for everything? Or I thought they had some free, certainly low cost, they, right? They might have some stuff. Um, so Pluralsight is one of those things from a coding perspective. It's actually uh, one of the, the learning platforms that I use personally for, mm. I, I learned Flask, uh, so Python Flask on there. I've learned JavaScript on there. I've learned some, you know, several things. And so, yeah, that's it's a really great platform. The other one as well that I've been looking at lately is um, Udemy. So there's yep. like the, the whole idea with Udemy is certain classes will actually like let you download that content to your computer after you've purchased it, but they have, um, some weekends where it's like special sales. So like the Labor Day weekend, they had classes that might cost like 150 or $200 were selling for like $11, right? Mm -hmm. So I bought like five or six classes that weekend. Um, but those are really good too, because those, you know, you can see how many downloads they have, how, like how well ranked they are. Uh, they have almost everything you can think from a programming perspective as well. I don't know, Paul, have you been looking at anything else from like a, a training and learning perspective in coding or anything that you'd um, recommend? I just thought of the uh, Humble Bundles. I've used those in the yeah. past, too. Those are good. And your money goes, well, you get to decide how much of a donation goes to a particular charity uh, and how much goes to the actual uh, organization selling it, right? Um, or goes to, I, I think, the Humble Bundle. I, I forget how it works, right? But you've got a sliding scale right. yeah, of like donation uh, versus, versus payment. Um, and you just, one, you got to keep an eye on because... Basically, it's a bundle of books and videos, so it's PDFs and, and videos that are focused on a specific topic. I know when I was trying to understand Docker and containers, I bought the container bundle um, and, and the books, and they were really good at especially giving you that fundamental knowledge. I think what what many of us, myself included, struggle with is oftentimes like you don't understand enough to even ask the question or go Google search about something and a humble bundle like that gives you that foundation where you can be like, okay, now I understand the, the fundamentals so I can go focus on an area and I know how to ask questions now. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that, especially for, for programming languages, right? So the no starch press humble bundles, whenever I see no starch yeah. press, but things that I always go look at it because they, as publishers, they have so many good uh, books on different languages. Python is one that I've really enjoyed. Uh, in fact, I used uh, stuff from the Automate the Boring Stuff book that's uh, by No Search Press mm -hmm. to actually create a Python script that would allow me to um, download all of the content from all of my Udemy courses automatically mm -hmm. uh, because I, I didn't want to sit and click through 400 videos and download each one. Um, so yeah, my flight out to Australia in a few weeks will have plenty of viewing material, uh, something like 30 hours of content to, to actually sit down and watch. So yeah, my flights are pretty much now taken care of in terms of, uh, you know, things to do. So um, yeah, there's there's a lot you can find there. No Search Press is a great publisher of a lot of different books for a lot of different languages. And the, any bundle that they run, I almost always go and look at, um, if not buy. In, in some cases, I, I buy a bundle that maybe the top level bundle has a book that I don't have and every other book that I've already got like three copies of, but, um, but that's one I've enjoyed as well. Any, any others that come to mind, Paul, that you want to talk about? No, those are the major ones. Uh, it's interesting. Someone just asked me how they get up to speed on some technology. I forget what it was, but I think I found that I think it was security onion. It was security onion. And I found that I think Pluralsight, Udemy, maybe Cybrary was the other one. Um, had yep. uh, materials on that. They're looking for more of a structured tutorial rather than like one-off documentation or, or YouTube videos, which I, I get that can be pretty frustrating. 
Yeah, and some people, they learn in different ways too, right? So yeah. um, Cybrary is another good one, cybrary.it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they offer free content as well for a number of different topics related to security. And uh, and I agree, like sometimes um, for me, there's, there's a gentle balance, right? Because it's uh, good to have the actual content to sit down and, and watch or listen to, but hands-on keyboard actually doing it makes all the difference, right? And you can't just sit there and kind of sponge it all in because um, it might be rote knowledge that you can repeat back, but it's not knowledge that you can actually leverage or use unless you're sitting down at the keyboard and doing something. Thus, I think pairing it with something like code words where you actually are taking the knowledge you're learning and then applying it to something, whether it's a project or you know uh, little tasks or challenges um, will help you learn faster. So from a, a coding perspective, those are all really great recommendations. Um, on the other side of it, though, from like the hacking perspective, right? So going out and learning um, how to do some of these things. And the one thing that I actually point to as a really good centralized, free, open source um, tool that I really like uh, was put together by Jason Haddix. Uh, and uh, in this case, JP Villanueva is another person that, that contributed to that, uh, is the Bug Crowd University stuff out on GitHub. Um, so that what they've done is they've basically taken kind of a, a pyramid style approach to the basics of application security, uh, mid-tier challenges, and then kind of the top level challenges, um, and have watched through things like how to use Burp Suite Pro effectively. Uh, but also Jason Haddock's talk on um, the Bug Hunters methodology V3, I think is what he's up to at this point, uh, has a lot of recommendations of books you should go out and consider buying. Uh, in fact, that's one of the next things that I have uh, on the list, so I'll recommend that in a moment. But uh, he also talks about some other resources in, in his talk, and that's all listed inside of uh, the Bugcario University GitHub page. And then on top of that, they they have a, a biannual conference, I think, at this point, where um, they actually have a bunch of speakers in the Bug Hunter kind of world talk about application security things that they've been working on. So they also have YouTube links to all those videos from that uh, virtual conference that they run. And again, that's a free conference, right? So there's another another thing from the hacking perspective that you can zero in on and go back and look at all the, the past content from. So, um, but speaking of books, and this is one that I get questioned about a lot, the Web Application Hacker's Handbook, although it's something like seven years old at this point for version two, um, is a solid resource. And, and for me, like, even though it, it has a lot of technologies that it talks about that are outdated, much of the internet today, by the way, is still outdated technology. Um, so I find that it, it's both a really useful book to go and read. And I'd actually recommend for someone that's new to the, to the space, read it cover to cover, right? As much as it's intended to be a reference book, going and actually reading all the way through it will help you put everything together in a way that I think, uh, can really help the folks that are new. Paul, I don't know uh, from, from the hacking side, especially on the web hacking side, I don't know if you had any additional resources that you've, you know, either seen or heard about, uh, kind of your travels throughout the space. Yeah, not so much with um, with books. I think the the next one as in practice, um, you recommend one that I, I hadn't seen before. Uh, however, when I give this in my Kung Fu talk, actually, um, Ed Scotus uh, at Counterhack Challenges, counter, yep. counterhack.net, um, the link's in my presentation somewhere, but he archives all of his hacking challenges. And that's one where I recommend, like, Ed's been doing this uh, free challenge for six-plus years now. And not only does he come out with a new challenge every year, but every past year, you can access those challenges. It's all completely free. Um, yep. The nice part about previous challenges is that all the answers are there, too. So you can kind of, like, self-study and work through it. Like, if you get stuck, you can kind of go look up the answer and then, you know, research and, 
and that kind of thing. So that that's a yeah, the holiday, that's my top pick. The holiday hack challenge is what he calls them now. Before they were actually just yeah. challenges. That would be my my top pick for practicing. For sure, and I think the one that was like maybe I don't know two years ago, something like that, was mm-hmm. all based on Node.js. Which, yes. by the way, if you're looking for like a modern stack, like that is the one to go do. Um, so yeah, when I actually remember that year, I didn't get much time to play that one, but I remember listening to Paul Security Week when he was yeah. on talking was about it. And I was like, home? sweet. That might have been Gnome in your home. Could be. Um, yeah, I think that was Gnome in your home. Um, was the year that he was doing that? Because then the the following year, which I think was last year, was like you know saving Christmas or yes. something like that. Um, so they have KringleCon, I think, coming up this year, which is the other one that, that he's doing next. So yes. uh, yeah, he's coming I'm on really the um, Paul Security Weekly Show to announce it as well this year, which is awesome. We love it when Ed does that every year. It's a great contribution to the yeah, community. It, it is. It absolutely is, and, and it it um, has different levels of challenges too. Like the 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 play, you know, you can start out with the very basic knowledge, and then you kind of work your way up, right? Um, so for me, I think that it's one of those things that it's, it's built for all different levels of experience. And it's, it's actually something that a number of people in the community that I see do this with their family, right? Their, their children. Mm. Um, because in the last several years now, he's, he's made it into an actual, like, uh, a game, like, a, um, I remember the one that was the gnome in your home. It was almost yeah. like playing like a final fantasy, like 2d yeah. game where you're like walking around on squares and stuff. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, the one that I recommended in this case was actually the OWASP Juice Shop uh, application. So that is also free and open source. It does have a number of challenges that are, you know, it has the solutions there. Um, this is a modern, I believe it's Angular JS. It might be one of the more modern Angular stacks um, as a, a vulnerable application as kind of, you know, that that newfangled stack. There's, of course, the damn vulnerable web app or DVWA mm. that's still out there. Uh, there's that also one's kind of dated, uh, dated today, though. Yeah, I mean, well, it isn't. It isn't though. So if you're if you're looking to to learn like SQL injection, for example, sure. um, DVWA actually has some pretty good training on that. And some of it's especially like on the hard mode challenge is pretty tough. Like mm. it actually is one of those things that you really got to think about. Um, not to mention the one thing that I did with DVWA that I recommend people that are trying to learn Docker. Yeah. Do, is I actually rolled it into a Docker container so that I could, you know, play with it anywhere and I could just like spin it up locally on my system. Or you could um, cheat and find the other three or four people that have done that as well and put it in Docker Hub like I did recently. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. it is same, same. <laughs> you totally could, right? But yeah. but I actually challenge those people out yeah. there that if you want to learn Docker, that's a great point. It's a great test case, and then you can go and hack on it, and then just you know, uh, in the way that Docker is designed to be used, blow it away and use a new one, right? So. Um, that was one that I definitely wanted to talk about. Now, the next thing as well is, um, for people that want to take it to the next level, right, that they actually want to go out and, and, and practice some of this, I strongly, strongly recommend signing up on a bug bounty program. Now, for me, I'm a little bit biased, right? I used to work at Bug Crowd, so I know kind of the inner workings of the way that they actually operate. But from a, a community perspective, the things that they're doing and the things that they're giving back, um, as well as, of course, the the interactions with the support folks and the, the, the people that do triage and validation, um, I strongly recommend working with them only because they have a pretty good, you know, plethora of companies that you can work on uh, from the start. I know that Ford, I believe, just came out with a public program. Netgear is another public program that has really broad application, right? Like you can go after almost anything that they own. And granted, those aren't paid programs, at least for some of the stuff that they do. But if you're getting new to the space and you want to try and figure out how some of these hacks work in the real world, well, there's no better place to learn than some actual company stuff. So, uh, and they invite yeah. you to do it. Yeah, I I agree with you, Keith. That you know, it, it used to be before there were bug bounties that when you wanted to test your skills, you had to had to create your own consulting company, 
uh, and get permission and then go do it. And, you know, the, the danger of that is if you haven't practiced it in the real world, you, it's going to be a learning experience and you hope that you get a good mentor uh, early on to work with. Um, as, as I did when I started my consulting company, you know, I'd partner with other organizations and do the tests with them as I learned. And that was very much how it, how it happened. Today, I, I think you're right. If you want to get real world hands-on experience, I would recommend Bug Crowd and going to some of their programs because you get to basically hack with permission. Now, very, very important to follow those rules of engagement. Don't just go willy-nilly. Yeah, like you, you have to and ask questions about that rules of engagement. If you have never engaged in any type of testing, make sure you ask people who have or ask Bug Crowd directly before you do things and say, I, you know, I would recommend that you read the rules of engagement, interpret them before you send a packet on the network. If you're not sure or even if you are and it's the first time you're doing it, ask and say, Hey, if I do this, it's acceptable in the rules of engagement, correct? And get that and get some right. verification on that. Right. And, and yeah, they have the nice thing is again, like to the pro the program scope or the program brief mm -hmm. that they have on the pages is pretty explicit as to really what you can do and really what you can't do. Um, and it, like you said, if you have questions, especially a lot of these companies, um, whether it's Bug Crowd or others, if you go out onto Twitter and you just like at them. Um, you'll probably get a response from the actual handle plus like, you know, maybe Jason Haddix or Casey Ellis sure. or others that are following along. Right. So you get actual interactions from real people to give you feedback on like yeah. the situation. So, and that's, that's critical, right? Especially if you're new to this, because yeah, if you do something wrong and you mess up a production system for a big company, yeah, as much as those rules might say certain things and you're just misinterpreting them, you got to be real careful about that. So making sure that you really understand what you're doing is, is also important, which I think goes back to some of the other things we've said, right? Like if, if you know what a SQL injection is and it says no SQL injection, you're okay. But if you don't know what a SQL injection yeah. is and you're just like going and hacking away at this thing and you're like, oh, I'm going to try a SQL injection. Yeah, you probably want to know exactly what you're doing or what it could do um, before you try that, like drop tables, for example. Yes, um, certainly. So that's kind of the big one. Uh, the last one that I have on this, though, is, is committing code on open source or personal projects, right? So um, whether you're contributing to uh, maybe some like new privacy aware browsers like Brave or uh, the OWASP Zap project for like, a, again, that's the Z attack proxy or their, their open source Java based proxy. Um, that's a kind of, you know, free version as a pair, compared to say maybe Burp Suite Pro, which is you got to pay for it. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity out there for a lot of different uh, organizations or companies that could benefit from, um, you know, contributions that you might make if you have coding skills or, hey, working on your own projects is a really great way to build your resume. And to that end as well, if you've built some cool tools, maybe you talk about them at a B-Sides or maybe you talk about them at a bigger conference, right? So there's a lot of benefit to, to actually building things and showing off what you've built. Um, so that's kind of my recommendation as well. Paul, I don't know if you had anything to add on that front, maybe some projects that you, you think would be good to contribute. No, I, I think you should do that as well as um, writing about your contributions as well. I think that, yeah, uh, you know, maintaining some kind of blog uh, and you know, showcasing your communication skills, or e even if it's not to showcase your communication skills, even it's just to show that you're passionate to allow others to learn um, and, and write about it. That's big when, when, you know, when I hire people anyway, is if not only do they contribute, but they, are they writing about it as well? Yeah, they're giving back to the community in some way, right? Maybe they're not necessarily contributing code, but maybe they're writing a new tool, or maybe they've discovered a new way of doing something, or even they've seen a way that it's been done and they do it a little bit more cleanly and write up about that, right? Um, that's a really good point, is is as much as we can go out and hunt bugs all day, which is a lot of fun, 
Uh, if you can't communicate why that's important or what that should mean to the teams that we're trying to help, it's pretty much worthless, right? Like if you can't translate that to somebody that naturally needs to fix it, then um, yeah, you, you might as well start from square one again. Right. So yeah, that's, that's definitely a good feedback as well. Um, Paul, unless you had anything to add, I think that that pretty much wraps up my general recommendations on, you know, if you're looking to land a job, these are some of the things you should look at doing. No, I think it's a great list. Cool. Awesome. Well, with that, we are going to take a short break and then come back for the news.